All right. Hello, everyone. It's nice to see you. Well, actually, I don't see any of you, but thank you for listening. This time, we're going to talk about Teilhard de Chardin, who I think I pronounced that correctly. He was trained as a scientist, was alive during the World Wars, lived in China during the bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima, and by and large has one of the most incredible careers of writing theology. So buckle in because this is going to be a good one. All right, here we go. Last summer, I, uh, you ever find an author and then you just binge read as much as you can handle of that person? Well, in the summer of 2016, that's exactly what I did with Teilhard de Chardin. So he was a French Jesuit. So a Jesuit is one of the orders within Catholicism that was started um, around the time of the Reformation. So it's been around for a couple hundred years, but was started by Ignatius of Loyola, who you may have heard of before, but as a brief run-through, let me tell you, um, Ignatius of Loyola was formerly a Spanish uh, soldier. And man, apparently he was a ladies' man and loved... um, honor and pride and the prestige of being somebody in the military. And then one day he took a cannonball to the legs and it just shattered his left leg, greatly wounded his right leg and left him bedridden and having to need the bones broken again and reset at a time in history when there were no anesthetics. And so while bedridden, he came up with what is known as uh, the spiritual exercises, or I mean, they were kind of later developed throughout the rest of his life about how to thoughtfully and with imagination reflect and put yourself in the stories of Jesus. And man, they are transformative. I've done some of them. They say it's best to do it for 40 days straight, but it's hard to do that by yourself. Anyways, Ignatius of Loyola started the Jesuit order. And the Jesuits are known for a few things, but pretty much at the top of it 
is finding God in all things. Okay? The physical and the spiritual divide almost means nothing to them. Because it's about finding God in the midst of all things. In every single person that you meet, in every interaction, in every song that you hear, in every snowflake, it's a very, very profound way of looking at the world. But Pierre Teilhard de Chardin was a Jesuit. And so he um, was raised before the World Wars and became a Jesuit right around the same time that he was also doing work as a paleontologist. Now, surprisingly enough, and it's probably because of their emphasis on finding God in all things, but a lot of really good scientists have been Jesuits. It's fascinating. Um, They also go by the nickname, the Society of Jesus. And the current Pope right now is a Jesuit, the first Jesuit in church history to ever be a Pope. Um, but Pierre had a very interesting life. Case in point, he wrote a lot and none of it was allowed to be published until after he died. He was writing a lot of pieces that the church of the day thought were too dangerous or too fringe to be considered safe. And so under mandate from above and out of his own humility and obedience, he chose, okay, they don't need to be published right now. But he kept writing. And there was a part of his life where he said, if I didn't keep writing, I would be dishonest to myself. So just before he passed away in his older years, he signed off um, a document to a friend saying that all of my publish- publications now belong to my friend. So that meant that once he passed away, the rights to publish were in the friend's hands. And so we have his books as a result of that. Now, Pierre was um, interesting me, to me in part for that reason right ahead, like right there. But a part of it is also his mysticism, his approach towards trying to do a synthesis of the faith in the world and the way that he wrote so poetically. It's just striking. But if I were to say that there was um, one or two thoughts that really impacted me as I was reading him, I have to say it's these two things. One, the Omega Point. And two, his uh, faith in man, which is really interesting. So let me go through both of those. The Omega Point is or was Teilhard's way of talking about the end of cosmic history. Now, for him, it wasn't bleak and dark and terrifying, as you may have heard some circles make it out to be. For him, it was a way of saying, okay, 
if God is our alpha and omega, our beginning and end, our source and our completion, then we're somewhere in between the alpha and the omega. And so for him, he liked to talk about the omega point, not just of human history, but of cosmic history. You see, for Teilhard, his understanding of faith and as a result of being a scientist and paleontologist at the same time, everything was caught up in the movement of the divine milieu, which is the title of a great book from him. For him, everything is coalescing or building towards or arcing into a convergence with the omega point of cosmic history that is God. And so for him, there is a direction. There's a purpose. Things are headed somewhere. Don't give up. Now, if you think that this is too abstract, that's fine. But I want to let you know that he was alive during the world wars. And that's why this idea is so striking. Because in the time leading up to the world wars, there was this influence of... Uh, progressivism that said every generation is getting better than the last. Uh, and then World War II happened. Well, in World, World War I, and then the world had to take a step back and ask, are we really getting better than we used to? Are we really? And in the midst of all of this, um, Teilhard was... Um, told to go do some research work in China. And so he was in the East as a Frenchman when the bomb was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And that's why his idea of an Omega Point is really kind of rebellious. In the midst of millions of people dying in what were the two greatest wars in human history thus far, He didn't necessarily say every generation is getting better, but he did say there is a direction. Don't give up on humanity. There is something that all of this is working towards. And so for him, despair was not congruent with his understanding of the Christian faith. You can't be too pessimistic. And so his understanding of the omega point of cosmic history included and even mandated learning to have faith in man. That humanity is going to stumble and make mistakes and struggle with learning how to be global instead of just tribal. For him... He could not give up hope on the human next to him. That is so remarkable. And so 
the second thing, I guess, was his understanding of what is getting us to that omega point of history. If if God was there at the beginning and God's going to be there at the end, what on earth is keeping everything from falling into absolute chaos? And at this point, he does something really unique where he blends uh, his science and his faith. And he says this, that love is a force. Much like gravity, which sounds like St. Augustine. But love is a force that's pulling the cosmos into the future. That the love of God is like a man pulling on a rope and just pulling things closer together. You can say um, that the world or the universe is falling towards chaos or entropy. But there's something unique happen, happening. The world is getting more complex. It's not falling apart. If anything, evolutionary history has shown us that organisms are getting more and more complex, not falling into more and more disarray. And so Tehard really had a high view of... having hope for humanity, but then also a really profound view of love as being a force in the universe that's shaping it. I want to read uh, just a quote here from him. This is in uh, The Divine Milieu. And it says, There was one limit to his tolerance, the one fault that he detested, the one thing that he would have nothing to do with. And it was the deliberate acceptance and delight and disgust with life. Contempt for the works of man and the fear of human effort. For Teilhard, to be disgusted with life was intolerable. To hate scientific progress and to say we don't need to work on these things was completely out of the ra- out of sorts with his understanding of faith, and he definitely would never fall into saying "let go and let God," because in his understanding, God left us work to do about helping one another and feeding the hungry and sheltering the homeless and welcoming the stranger to work towards greater medicine, to work towards greater and greater health and well-being for all. Teilhard was um, a very interesting person for me to read because he challenged me with his poetic ways of writing about things. But he also challenged me to think about having hope for every person. And I completely admit that that is um, rather difficult because I sometimes want to think that someone will always 
be the same or very rarely will someone change for the better or worse or I don't know. Life has a way of creating a cynicism. But for Tehard, there was no place for that. And I've had some conversations in the past little bit about people who seem to be walking away. People who seem to deliberately make mistakes. Who seem to walk further and further away from what love is and how we're supposed to live with and for one another. I think Tehard said something really fascinating here. I'm going to read uh, a paragraph from one of his prayers. And it says, You have told me, O God, to believe in hell. But you have forbidden me to hold with absolute certainty that any single man has been damned. I shall therefore make no attempt to consider the damned here, nor even to discover by whatsoever means whether there are any. It tells me that Tehard recognized that yes, there was evil in the world. But that the evil is not going to have the final say. That the rebelliousness of man is not the absolute. And so his understanding of the faith, which seems very contrary to the cartoon made of Catholicism today, was that you can never give up hope on someone. Because there is not one being in which God cannot be found and there is not one being in which the cosmic force of love is not pulling them into the future into the possibility of greater love and sacrifice and care for their neighbor I think it would be great in um a few podcasts to talk about Ignatius a little bit further on who founded the Jesuits, but also to maybe have a few talking about Teilhard because he really had some provocative thoughts, some really incredible insights that I don't think we can just quickly skim over and say that he's just being too new age because I think if I were to guess, <laughs> Tehard at least tried to hold the three theological virtues in high esteem. The three virtues of faith, hope, and love. And I will fully confess that I do not often um, live out those three virtues very well. And in fact, a lot of approaches to faith today seem to be lacking and one, two, or all three of those. We don't know how to have faith, hope, and love at all times. But I like Tehard because he challenges us to still have faith in man alongside faith in God. And in fact, we can have faith in man 
because there is faith in God. And because there's the faithfulness of God towards man, it's all so close and so unique, so good. And so if you feel as though you are somebody that really enjoys talking about the sciences or paleontology or trying to find a way to be someone with a a mystic understanding of Christianity, even in the midst of a postmodern and scientific post-enlightenment world, you got to check him out. But if you leave uh, this sit down, this listen with anything, I would encourage it to be this. Um, Think about the omega point. Think about what is everything arcing towards. Yeah, humanity is going to make mistakes about how to relate to one another. Humanity doesn't seem to know always how to live out its liberty well. We tend to think only in terms of being free from things, but not always how to be free for things such as one another. So give a moment today to think about the Omega Point. To think about how the ways that you and I and some other people may stumble maybe is teaching us and is maybe kind of like tug and war, uh, a game tug of war. You know, where one side's winning so good that the other side uh, kind of falls over, but they're still holding on to the rope until they gain their feet again. Sometimes I wonder if God's relationship with human history isn't a bit like that. That one side is going to fight back try to dig in its heels but in the end you can't keep the outcome from happening this tug of war game of human history with God is it's too one sided and then you might want to take a moment and wonder about why it is that we fight learning how to live in greater faith hope and love with one another Tayhard is fantastic. I encourage you to check him out. At least go online and look up on Google some of the best quotes from Tayhard. Because there's one quote, and this is what I'll finish with, I guess, where he says something like, The day is coming when we will harness all the energies when we will have fully discovered gravity and time and electricity, magnetism, we will understand all of these things. And then at the end of all of that, we will discover another force in the universe and that's love. And then for the second time in human history, we will have discovered fire. Of course, the actual quote is way better than that, so go check it out. But Pierre Teilhard de Chardin was a scientist and a Christian mystic at the same time. So go check him out. Okay? Until next time, uh, grace, peace, love, goodness, 
mercy, everything, all those good things to you. All right. Bye-bye.